All right, Luke chapter 6. I got a son named Luke. I love that kid. Luke chapter 6, verse 37. We're looking at the Beatitudes, what Jesus, uh, it's kind of a message that Jesus pro, uh, preached. Verse 37 says this, don't judge others and you won't be judged. Can I get an amen from somebody on that? Oh, I thought I'd get a better one. Amen. Come on. Yeah, John. Here we go. Don't condemn others and it won't come back against you. Forgive others, and you will be forgiven. What's Jesus really talking about here? He's talking about the pride of man. The pride of man and really kind of the pride of our culture that we grow up in. You know, in America, we judge everything. We have a critical eye about everything. We want to debate Everything. That's a, I mean, all cable television shows now are debate shows. You know, the mornings, debate shows. The afternoons, debate shows. The news shows, debate shows. We want to debate everything. We want to say, you know, you're over here believing this, and we're over there believing that, and you're over there believing in that little sector, and you believe in this part of the nation, and you believe in these type of people, and we're going to draw lines, and we're going to segregate everybody, and then we're going to stand there and fight and argue about everything in this life. And I'm an American, and I have an opinion, and because I'm an American, and I'm free, and I have freedom of speech, you're going to listen to what I have to say, right? This is how we grow up, you know? I have a little eight-year-old boy at home that freely gives his opinion about anything that he wants. We grow up in this nation where we feel these rights, God given rights in America to go, I can say what I want, and I can tell you what I think. But Jesus has a very different culture, and I think a lot of times we have to have a clear understanding that when we're reading the Word of God, it's not coming from an American standpoint. It's not coming from a Western culture background. It's the kingdom of God. It's his kingdom. It's his authority. It's how he set it up. It's how he perceives life and how we now need to retrain the way that we think and process in life about life. So Jesus says, listen, don't judge others. I don't know about you, but I struggle with this. I know pastors probably shouldn't say that, right? It's not something a pastor should say. I struggle with it, right? I mean, I grew up with a certain value system in my life and a way that I perceived, you know, my marriage and my children and uh, the way that I perceive finances and, you know, and different things of this life. And, and I think it's just natural nature to go, oh, we don't see life the same way about money, Right? We do this all the time. Oh, you spend your money on that? Yeah, I don't really understand why you spend your money on that. That's kind of stupid. You know, it'd be like if I was like, man, I can't believe Doug would spend money on a Browns jersey. Like, I mean, like, seriously. I, was, I mean, and a hat to go with it, you know? Listen, it was Doug's birthday yesterday. Give it up for Doug. I mean, I just. 
we do this all the time with money, right? We go, oh, I would never spend money on that. And then you have something that you would spend money on. And the other person will go, I would never spend money on that. But really unbeknownst to us, we're all judging each other. We're all going, oh, man, I would never, you know, talk to my kid that way. Or I would never do that in my marriage. Or I would never, you know, do this in my home. And we all have our different value systems because we all grew up in different cultures and we came from different backgrounds. But Jesus goes, listen, in my kingdom, I want to create a new value system. Maybe it's a value system that you didn't grow up in. Because the reality is this. A lot of times in American homes, we grow up in a very judgmental culture. And especially in the church. Can I get an amen on that? Especially in the church. It's like, man, did you see his brother so-and-so come to church today? He looked a little hungover, didn't he, you know? It wasn't like we're worshiping Jesus with all his heart and soul and mind today, you know. I know it's funny, but this is what we grew up in, right? I mean, like, wearing a three-piece suit was not an option in 90-degree weather in my church growing up, you know. I'll never forget being, like, nine years old. And we had a groundbreaking ceremony, and my grandpa was an elder in the church, and I have a three-piece suit on and black shoes on, and it's like 95 degrees out, and the sun is beating down, and my black shoes are on fire, and they're like praying for the ceremony, and I'm like, you know, just like, yeah, I'm like just trying to do anything, and I got beat when I got home, and I was like, my feet were on fire, and I was burning inside, and it was like, we do this for Jesus, you know, like, you know, just making sacrifices for Jesus. Yeah? It says, forgive others, and you'll be forgiven. I really believe that, and I've said this multiple times, that there are breakthroughs that we don't experience in life because God's waiting for you to forgive somebody. God's waiting for you to forgive your spouse. God's waiting for you to forgive a friend. Man, Abner hit on this big time last week. Man, my heart was convicted about some people. I told Abner we went to dinner. and So today is kind of a special day in our house because today, July 1st, three years ago, is the day that we moved to Cincinnati. Just blind faith, moved to Cincinnati and said, God, we're going we're gonna to start this church. And I'll never forget it was around Jul the middle of July when we moved down. And I was just at home spending some time with the Lord and, you know, praying about the church and getting excited about our future. And, and the Lord kind of did this, like, left turn. And when we were in uh, Michigan... I'll just put it this way. Things didn't end the way that we hoped they would end. And it was a little messy. We'd been there for nine years, and uh, I think there was some hurt feelings that we were leaving the ministry and moving on. And uh, it just ended up not being too fun of a season for us. 
And we're about to start the church, and the Lord that night said, hey, um, I need you to write your old pastors a letter and apologize for anything you did wrong in leaving. Because the perspective that we always have in life is what? I'm right and you're wrong, right? So, you know, for five years since I had left Valley, my whole perspective was, I, what did I do, God? How was I in the wrong? It's amazing when you go, God, okay, show me where I was wrong. Show me where I had a lack of honor. Show me where I had a lack of respect. Show me where I caused part of this problem. And the scales will fall off your eyes and you'll go, oh, man, part of this issue was me. And the Lord made me forgive them. And the Lord made me write them a letter to ask for forgiveness because the Lord said, we're not going to go into this new season without this being cleared up. Jesus is really serious about us learning to forgive others. Verse 41, Jesus goes on and says this. And why do you worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own eye? <laughs> how can you think um, how can you think of saying, friend, let me help you get rid of your speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. Get rid of the log in your own eye. It's amazing, like, if you have a good camera or a good iPhone, it's so cool, like on the new iPhones, how you can, like, focus in and out, right? So, like, you know, if I had Matt as my subject, and Matt's a pretty good-looking subject, you know, you know, we like Matt, okay? And I had Matt as my subject. I can choose to make my phone not focus on Matt. I can go, man, I want to focus on the flowers behind Matt, right? And I can do this with a good camera. It's focusing the eye to where I want it to focus. And this is what Jesus is really talking about. He's going, listen, you have a choice to focus on what you want to focus on. And how many times do you know in life there's so many moments where I go, I don't want to focus on me. I love me. I love me some me all day, all day long. And just like we were talking about having a judgmental spirit, we can be very critical to go, man, I really love Eddie, but dude, man, he, he kind of he crossed me the wrong way that Sunday. I didn't really like how he said this to me, or I really didn't like what he did here. And all of a sudden, I have this massive log in my eye, but I can't even see it because I'm focused not through that, but I'm focused on Eddie. And the enemy is so stinking good at making us focus on other people and other people's problems and other people's agendas and other people's lives. And the whole time Jesus is going, listen, you got a stinking log in your eye. I remember I was working at that church in Michigan Valley, and we, um, we hired a guy to help us in the youth ministry. And to be completely honest, when they asked me if I thought he was the right guy, I was like, nope, 
he's not the right guy. I don't like him, and I don't want to work with him. And they were like, tough, we're hiring him, and you are going to work with him, and you're going to share a broom closet as an office uh, with him, and uh, you better get to know each other. And Brian, now later on in life, you know, if I saw Brian today, we would hug, we would have a somewhat good relationship. But at that time, I mean, we were oil and water, okay? And I just couldn't stand Brian. Brian was very intellectual. I'm very faith-driven. I'm very, this is what God said, and if God says it, it's truth, and I'm building my life on it. And he would want to debate everything in the Bible, and he would want to debate culture. And, and I'd be like, I don't care about it. I'm like, just show me the word of God and show me truth. And we would fight. And I remember I had this very, very critical eye to Brian. All the time. Because I thought Brian's theology is messed up. We would argue about healing and things of the Holy Spirit. And he'd be like, I don't really know if the Holy Spirit exists or this whole speaking in tongues. And I'd be like, I'll speak in tongues in your face right now, you know. And, and I'd be like, I'll, I'll, get you, I'll get somebody healed right this minute, you know. And, and, I mean, I was just so critical of Brian. But at the same time that I was so critical of Brian... I was struggling tithing. Could wrap my mind around it. Uh, you know, remember one day I got an email from my pastors and they said, hey, we got to sit down, we got to talk because we looked at your tithing record. You're not tithing. And this verse became very alive in my soul. The Lord was like, man, you're really good at looking at other people's specs, but, man, you got a huge log in your own eye, and you can't see past it because you are so focused on everybody else and what's wrong with everybody else that you haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to speak to you about what's going on in your own soul and what's going on in your own heart. Jesus goes on, verse 43 says, a good tree produces uh, a good tree cannot produce bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. For a tree is identified by its fruit. If you got a Bible, underline that word identified. Identified. Jesus says, we're going to identify. So it's really interesting. Jesus goes, listen, I don't want us to be a culture of judgment. And this happens in churches, and we are fighting this, and we will always fight this because this is not who we want to be. This is not who we ever want to be. Can I get an amen on that? So Jesus is saying, listen, I don't want us to judge. But then Jesus makes a very clear point. He goes, listen, you can identify those by the fruit that they bear. Okay? What is, what is Jesus showing us? He's showing us, listen, I don't want you to judge others. But I want you to identify with yourself, what kind of fruit am I bearing? Because the reality is we're looking at other people's lives going, well, what are you bearing? And Jesus is going, I don't care about what everybody else is bearing. I want you to figure out, okay, am I a good tree or am I a bad tree? And, and what am I identifying? What's coming out of my life? Verse 45, it says, a good produ person produces good things from a treasury of a good heart. An evil produ person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. 
what you say flows in your heart. I read that a couple weeks ago. And um, I tell the boys this all the time. Like, I hate the Green Bay Packers, okay? I mean, like, like hate the Green Bay Packers. Like I, like, I mean, like, we'll watch a Packer game, and I'll be like, I will light the whole entire state of Wisconsin on fire and burn it to the ground, okay? Now, I, I, a lot of you would probably feel this way with Pittsburgh, right? Okay, you get an amen on that? Like, I mean, it'd be like the Steelers, like, nah, you know, Big Ben, you know? And I remember I'm reading this verse a couple weeks ago, and the Lord goes, why do you curse this man named Aaron Rodgers? And I'm like, oh, God, you know, oh, God. You know, I'm just joking, God. You know, like, I don't really hate Aaron Rodgers. You know? I don't, like, really want him to break his back when he's playing against the Bears, you know? And the Lord's like, No. Why do you curse this man? I don't want your life to be identified by hate. You're called to have a life that's identified by love. My love that comes out of you. Verse 46, he goes on, he says, So why do you keep calling me Lord when you don't do what I say? And Jesus can be like really like cutthroat sometimes. I'm just like, really, Lord? Like, this is Jesus. I mean, it's red letters. It says this, I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me and listens to my teaching and follows it. Verse 48, it's like a person who builds a house and digs deep and lays a foundation on solid rock. When the flood waters arise and breaks against the house, it stands firm because it is well built. I'm never amazed at people when they worship in service. I'm amazed when people worship and their life is falling apart. You can see what their foundation is. Right? There's a pastor, his name's Levi Lusko. And he lost his five-year-old daughter. And in this book, he talks about how him and his wife and his kids Worship Jesus in the hospital room as she laid there. And I thought, do I have that kind of foundation? Uh, is, is my foundation dug that deep in God's love? That when everything is falling apart, I go, man, God, you're so good. You're so good. You didn't fall off the throne. It's okay. Life's going to go on. It's going to get better. Right? This is the kind of foundation that Jesus is talking about. Verse 49. But anyone hears and doesn't obey is a person who builds without a foundation. When the flood waters 
sweep down against the house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. And I think sometimes we read the Beatitudes and we go, man, God, this is really tough stuff. I don't know if you think that way, but I do. When I read the Beatitudes, I'm like, man, God, this feels like a catch-22. Like, like, yes, I believe 100% in what you just said, Jesus. But Jesus, do you know how hard this is on the daily? Do you know my life? Do you know my stresses? Do you know my pressures? Do you know my pains? Do you know what I'm going through? This is tough stuff, God. And the whole time, Jesus is going, I just want you to have freedom. See, the tough thing is when, when, when I grew up in church and we would read the Beatitudes, it was rules. It was like if you don't do this perfectly, man, there's at least 10 minutes in hell. You know what I mean? Like you know, at least a dip in the fire, you know? And the whole time Jesus is going, this is not about rules. This is not about religion. This is 100% about I want you free in your soul. I want you to be able to walk in this life and go to work, and those who hate you and curse you and don't like you, you can just go, you know what, I still love you. I'm going to pray for you tonight. Man, that will trip somebody out. They're cursing at you, and you go, man, I love you. I'm going to pray for you tonight. They'll trip people out. Listen, Jesus wants us to live in this life and be able to come to church and have community. And instead of judging each other and stabbing each other in the back, we go, you know what? I really, really, really care about Todd and Karen. I really love Todd and Karen. And I really want to get to know Todd and Karen because they're a child of the Most High God. And God has a great plan for Todd and Karen. And God is using Todd and Karen. And I want to get to know them. I want to know how I can be a blessing to Todd and Karen. That's what Jesus wants. His culture, his kingdom is so incredibly different. He wants us to be able to let go of hurt and pain and love people and forgive people. He wants us to be able to be humble and meek, but also be strong and mighty in his word and who he is and knowing who he is. God wants us to live in this place of freedom, freedom in our soul. True joy and peace in our soul that when you go to bed and there's nobody else around and it's only you and God and he knows your thoughts, you can lay your head at night and go, I'm free. I'm free. I've forgiven people. I've let go of hurts. I have grace for others. I love people even when they don't love me. And Jesus sets up this whole scenario based upon this one truth and the one truth is this you can't do it without him amen he goes you can't do this without me so when we look at the beatitudes i think sometimes we look at it and go man this is so hard yeah outside the holy spirit it is Outside of real relationship, outside of Sunday, can we just be honest? Not just a Sunday relationship, but outside of Sunday, 
daily walking with Jesus, it is incredibly hard to do without the Holy Spirit. But Jesus goes, if you get close to me, I'll give you the grace to do it. Listen, Jesus would never ask you to do something that he wouldn't empower you to do. Right? So he's not asking you to do something that he won't give you the grace to do. Can I share about the that? So how many months ago did I meet you? Three? Yeah, three or four? I met Doug and Katie three or four months ago. Doug says this to me. He goes, I was praying, and I felt like the Lord told me that I'm supposed to pay down $20,000 in six months, four months, in four months, that I have this $20,000 debt, and I'm supposed to pay it down in four months. And he goes, I literally have no idea how I'm going to do this. And I was like, well, you know what? God does. And so Doug and Katie doubled down to their kids. They pulled their kids in the room. They said, this is what God told us to do. And we're going to be obedient, and we're going to do it, and we're going to show you that what God tells us to do, that he empowers us to do it. And so Doug, like last Friday, he was like, hey, do you want to come over and have a burger? And I was like, yeah, I want to come over and have a burger for sure. That sounds great. And Doug told me, he was like, what, I think you're, you got 1,000 left? Three, 3,000 3, left in how much time? And they still have till August. Isn't God good? Isn't God just so amazing? Why, do I, why am I sharing that with this? Because anything God asks you to do, he will empower you to do it. Even though Doug and Katie didn't know how they were going to do it, God knew how he was going to do it. He just needed vessels that were willing to be obedient, to say, yes, God, I will do it. I will follow you. Whatever you lead me to do, God, you have better for me, and I want to live in the freedom and joy you have for me. Amen? Why don't you stand on up this morning? Worship team, come on up. Grab your communion cups real quick. Can we change the lights? Is that all right? I just want you to close your eyes with me this morning and I felt like today was a perfect day to take communion because when we take communion it just recenters us and it refocuses us and I truly believe that when we take communion we remember all that Jesus has done it, it puts grace it's like a deposit of grace that goes into our soul a strength that we get from remembering all that Jesus did for us. See, communion is supposed to be a celebration. Church messed that up. It's supposed to celebrate what Jesus did because of his goodness. It was his goodness that he chose to go, yep, I'm going to take my body and I'm going to allow these men to come and 
to take my body and to brutally break my body. I'm going to allow these men to punch me and rip my beard out and to put a crown of thorns into my skull. And I'm going to allow these men to beat me and to flog me and to whip me. And I'm going to allow these men to stab me. And I'm going to allow them to take my hands and to put nails in them. I'm going to allow them to nail my feet to the cross. And I'm going to allow them to let me hang there for mankind. And Jesus didn't go, I want you to, I want you to, to be depressed and to be upset. No, he goes, I want you to celebrate. I want you to celebrate. Because in that moment when I gave my body, when my body was broken, that's how healing came. That's how restoration came. Your soul finds freedom because of what Jesus did on the cross. Your body finds healing because of what Jesus allowed them to whip him. So Jesus goes, celebrate. Celebrate. Remember me and my grace. You know, the word also tells us that at communion time is this moment that we can reflect. It's this moment that we can look inside and go, what kind of fruit am I bearing? Does it look like kingdom fruit like Jesus was talking about in Luke? And, and if it doesn't, and I know for me a lot of times it doesn't. And it's just a moment that I go, okay, God, I got some things I need to get straight. And all I do is ask for forgiveness. I don't beg. I don't wallow in shame and guilt. I just go, God, I've missed the mark. And I need you to forgive me. So come on, take a second and just let the Holy Spirit search your soul for a second. to forgive somebody, forgive them right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Love you. Love you, love you, love you, love you. Why don't you take that wafer out the top? I just want you to grab it and hold it up, and we're going to pray real quick. Father, we thank you for your body. You deserve all the credit. We humble ourselves to you, Jesus, and we thank you for giving your body, allowing them to break it, allowing them to nail you to the cross. Thank you for taking our guilt, our shame. Thank you for taking our sin, our failures, our mistakes, and putting it in your body. Thank you, God, for that you took. Thank you, God, that the word declares that by 
your stripes we are healed we are healed Lord says he wants to heal backs strengthen backs heal backs pain in backs and the Lord says when you eat this bread receive your healing receive your strength receive it from me and my broken body I did it for you son daughter I did it for you come on you can partake today go ahead and open up the cup cup represents the blood of Jesus and this is where the freedom comes and this is where the joy comes because the blood of Jesus washes my sins away oh my gosh I love it and it allows me to come boldly to his throne of grace to obtain anything that I need so thankful for the blood of Jesus Father we praise you thank you precious blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the blood that was spilled. We celebrate with heaven today. We celebrate with heaven that honors Jesus. We take our crowns, we take our achievements, we take all that we have in this life and we throw it at the feet of Jesus. Same praise to him. Honor him. Glory, you reign forever, Jesus. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Father, we ask in Jesus' name as we partake today that you would cleanse us. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Cleanse us from our past. Cleanse us from guilt. Cleanse us from shame. Fill us with your righteousness today. In Jesus' name, go ahead and partake. Just raise your hands and worship Jesus. Just sing.